Welcome to Skip This Podcast. My name's Luke. And my name's Brownie. We're just a couple of mates who decided to get together and talk about our own mental health. Along the way, we'll chat to some real people and hear their stories and advice on how they deal with mental health. So if this doesn't sound like it's for you, feel free to skip this. Or listen. Oh, I don't really care. You guys are happy with... You can hear everything. Comfy. Let's do it. Um, welcome yep. to Skip This Podcast. We're back for another episode again. Uh, Nathan, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I called you Nathan again. Uh-huh. Um, we're, we're back and we're back at, at your place. Yeah, the studio. The original studio. Yep. And we have a studio audience. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. Give it a clap, guys. <laughs> oh, we didn't hire a guy to do that clap yeah. applause this thing. Is, this is our largest ever studio audience. So we've got uh, Mitchie Blue Eyes, the sports reporter. Mitchie, uh, tell us, is it true that the NBA season will start in six weeks? Yeah, uh-huh. so it's going to start in six weeks. Confirmed. You heard it here first. Uh, we've got James Munro, the weatherman. James, what's the weather doing this weekend? On oh, Monday, it should be pretty fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need Tuesday. People will hear this Tuesday. Tuesday. Rain, rain it's in Tuesday. It's raining insane, so I'd listen to a podcast. In Sydney anyway, I don't know what it's doing in California. We've got our entertainment reporter, a new addition to the team, <laughs> Kirstie Gorey. Kirst, when's the our new season of Keeping Up With The Kardashians drop? Tuesday. Tuesday, everything's happening. which is perfect. Oh, it's going to be it. it's going to be raining, and the NBA starts on Tuesday as well. And then we've got my flatmate, the handyman Irish. Irish hey, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's on that the toilet. doesn't surprise me. He's on the. To- he's fixing the toilet. We've had some trouble with the toilet. <laughs> so yeah, we do have one other special guest, but we're going to uh, hold that. We'll intro get to him now. in a minute. Um, first of all, I just want to say we've had a few people review and rate us. It's helping us yep. so immensely. Like it's it's put us on the list of new and noteworthy. And oh. we're getting like responses from people who listen to the show in Perth and stuff now. Oh, um, they have internet over there. They do. Sick. <laughs> They're a bit behind. I think yeah. they get it by like Thursday. Yeah, or right. something. They're okay. a bit behind. Hey, uh, Munro, what's the weather forecast in Perth on Thursday? Fine. Fine. <laughs> it's fine everywhere. Perfect. Um, don't forget to go to our Instagram and follow us. Um, and if you could keep reviewing our page on on Apple Podcast, that helps us. Uh, amazingly. Um, a bit of an update on my week. Um, Heath got out of hospital and he's doing real good. He's putting on weight. Um, yep. He's pooping. He's doing what he's meant to do. And uh, that's about it, really. He's getting like, praise for pooping, farting, and putting on weight. Like, amazing, that is the fucking it? dream right there. <laughs> that is the dream. When will I get that? I don't know. Um, so that's about it for my week. I haven't had anything major happen. Like, it, the response to the last episode has been crazy. Um, I, I actually didn't think we'd get that deep into what we spoke about, oh, and I don't think a lot of our listeners thought we would too. Yeah. So, um, it was amazing that you you went to that length and you you were able to speak about that. Um, and I'm still like listening back to it when I was editing, and I was still like, I was floored. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you were going through that is just it's unbelievable. So, the fact that we're here and, and We've gotten to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're in a really good stride now, and we've got a good got thing going. And shit, yeah, and we're going to have guests and a fucking entertainment. Um, before we get to the guests, there's one last segment. Your segment, you do it every week. Yep. Did you remember this week? Yes, I did. You I got did. one. Okay. Brown's mailbag. It's back. Go. Well, are you going to ask me how my week was first? Or I am I going to do that after? We'll do that after. Okay. All right. I got one. Stand by. <laughs> you weren't ready. <laughs> I was. I was definitely not ready, but I do have one. I went off. The, I went off the run sheet, but you don't have a run sheet in front of you anymore. Anyway, no, because so. I can't work with run sheets, so that's yeah. fine. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like. I think the feedback from the last episode was pretty different to the previous two. It was like the the first oh, the first four over t- over those two weeks was like the first two. I was kind of really like proud of and like kind of excited to share whereas mm-hmm. uh episode five being a bit heavier like I'm, I'm well past the embarrassment stage so i don't have any elements of embarrassment about it at all but it was a hard listen like like you said listening to it back like when i told that story i was reliving it and then i had to listen to it back as well so mm-hmm. i had to deal with that three times and so i didn't really want to lob that um emotional grenade at too many people so i only sent the link to my to my family because i have i have to do that i always always send it to them before we do any of that social stuff and 
and I kind of knew like I just wanted people to listen to that on their own rather than promote it compared to the previous weeks. So it was a hard listen. Yeah. And so I think like there's a good um, a good message for Brown's mailbag that I got was from one of my like best mates in America, one of my best mates, period, who uh, I'm not going to share who it was because it's kind of pretty personal and um, just kind of summed it up really nicely. Like this, this mate was there th- with me all through the kind of ordeal in America. Didn't really know the full story but yeah. was always there for me. Uh, Listen to your podcast last night. I imagine you're swamped with feedback. That's some hard shit to talk about. Please don't ever think your absence would make people's lives easier again. And if that negativity creeps back, let me know so I can fly over there and slap the shit out of you. <laughs> nice. So I think that was I think that was like kind of a good snapshot of the feedback. Like I spent a lot of time on the phone, like people calling and a lot of um, face-to-face, particularly with my family and yeah. my siblings and friends. So it was, like, it was probably the first time I've had a little bit of doubt about if I was doing the right thing, but yeah. I got so much um, positive feedback and affirmation that we're doing the right thing, and it's it's if it's not helping anyone else, it's helping me. So, yeah. and I imagine that that's what your week was pretty much made up of. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, I did. I also I found another anxiety trigger today at Bunnings. <laughs> I went to Bunnings after work, so I was pretty. I was pretty excited because uh, Bunnings Home Depot for you Americans. So I wanted to get like a new little outdoor setting for oh, the that'd be nice. Yeah, for the for the team and and our special guest. I just noticed you've actually got a floor out there as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, so I've got that brand new table but there's no chairs. Oh, cool. So I went to Bunnings and Bunnings is a shit show, so I lined up for like 6 minutes to get my park. I guess we're not getting a Bunnings sponsorship. No, you know what? Soon. This episode is not brought to you by Bunnings. <laughs> Fuck Bunnings. <laughs> this episode is proudly brought to you by Home Depot. Oh. Get For everything. all your outdoor furniture needs, uh, go to homedepot.com. That's Free shipping to Australia. That might not be true. <laughs> and so so I hate going to Bunnings. I'm not handy at all. Like I'm a weekend warrior. I'm, they would see me turn up for sure and just go, what's this idiot doing? Because a couple of weeks ago I bought $500 worth of painting gear. That's why there's one wall out of 14 painted because <laughs> I gave up. And so I got, I got this table and chairs and I couldn't get the chairs in the car. And I'm like, fuck, how am I going to get these chairs in the car? And it's pouring rain here, like the weatherman said, pouring today, fine Tuesday. And so I can't get these chairs in the car. And then the old lady that served me walks past like, you're not going to get them in, darling. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, as anyone would know, that knows me would say, is like, if you tell me I can't do something, I can do something. I'm going to do it. So I just ended up leaning back and doing a full This Is Sparta kick three times on this four sets of chairs. <laughs> And I got him into the car, but the problem is I now can't get them out. Oh. So that's why we're all sitting on the floor and our um, news team is sitting in the kitchen because i got no chairs oh, and a beautiful table there. And, you, yeah, that would trigger me. That was anxiety. That's like yeah. that. It was, it was so like I, just I will normal, have, I'll happily never go back there again. That's normal. Yes. I would have lost it. Okay. All right, well, anyway, I, moving on. Sorry. Moving on. I think uh, as an audience, I think you've heard enough of just yours and my dribble. Yep. Um. I think it's about time we brought some real talent to the show. Um, uh-huh. Not only get like an outsider's perspective, um, but also that of a parent, mm-hmm. your parent to be exact. Yes. Uh, so he's a great man whose resume includes uh, he was a fiery, he, uh, he's a dad, he's done all this stuff. Yep. What are you, you're looking at me funny like you want to take over. Well, uh, yeah, I thought I was doing the intro. Yeah. Yeah, you, okay. You were mentioning. Yeah, like, so he's a fiery. Yeah, yeah. He's we should have rehearsed this. Yeah. You went to interrupt me, like as I started. Oh, okay. But you sat there and just stared at me. Yeah. Okay. So our first special guest is. Um, I kind of. I today I started writing some stuff. I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm just gonna just talk about him. It's like he's a guy. Like he's my kind of inspiration. Um, my hero. Um, my best friend. He's a guy who I learned pretty much everything I know about humor. I'm tall. I didn't get his hair, thank fuck. Um, he, I got his love of Hawaiian shirts. Um, his hard work ethic, just like family first. He always puts others before himself. Uh, yeah, it's just everything I want to be, not just as a man but as a human being. So uh, clap your hands, stomp your feet, make some noise for the boys. It's uh, Steve Brown, a.k.a. the S-Bomb, a.k.a. Dad. Yeah. Hi, Dad. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's, how's your week been? Same as most other weeks, I guess, Luke. Yeah. yeah. Just dealing with ISO like we all are. It's kind of loosening up now, which Coming is Coming out the other side, I think. 
Um, He's still fighting with the council about that roundabout out the front of the house. Yeah, that that does take up a fair bit of my time. (laughs) It's a story for another day. He's fighting with the council. You should start a podcast. You just talk about that. The roundabout and the fucking traffic islands right out the front of the house. Boat trails. Yeah, the boat trails. (laughs) We could go on. We could go on. We could go on forever. Um, But the real reason you're here is to talk uh, mental health um, and particularly to do with your son. Mm -hmm. Um, I met Nathan when he was a bit of a wild 21-year-old and I've kind of watched his adult journey um, dealing with this and, and now getting to this point. Um, what was he like uh, when he was younger? Strap, well, strap yourselves in. Was he a troublemaker? Not well. We thought at the time he was, um, but I think the difference is when you're going through it. At the time, it feels like it's the worst thing that could ever happen to one of your children. And I'm not saying that he was he wasn't in jail or anything like that, but he was causing a bit of angst. Probably no more than. Any, any kid growing up, and certainly no worse than a lot of our friends who had kids the same yeah. age. Um, as parents, we would all talk about our kids all the time, and everyone had stuff to deal with. Yeah. And, and I don't think Nathan was any, any worse than, than anyone else. He's, a lot of his traits that he has as an adult, he had as a child, um, particularly as a young as a young. Um, teenager you know when when kids get to 13 14 15 they they're not kids and they're not adults and and they have trouble working out where they fit in in the world I think and and Nathan was was probably going through that at 14 or 15 and and um just causing us a, a a little bit of grief but that's very um Politically correct of you, Dad. Diplomatic answer you've given so far. I yeah, think. but probably, probably upsetting his mother more than me, because Donna's Donna takes everything very personally when if her kids are getting into trouble or not doing the right thing or um, or causing other people um, concern, she takes it personally, uh, and that's mothers. I think that's all yeah. mothers. Yeah. Yes, and they feel responsible, I think, for for that, and I keep trying to tell her. But I mean, she's a very caring, loving person, and and she loves she. Nathan has two sisters and a brother, and and so we didn't weren't just looking after Nathan. I we was were, a trailblazer. He, he's I the eldest. Yeah, he's the eldest. I remember when I like I first started drinking, and like at a, like young age, like not not 12, but like that 15, 16-year-old age where everyone's starting to drink and um, mum and dad, whilst they didn't love it, they kind of facilitated it in the sense that strict curfews, like home home by 10 p.m., like yeah. I'll buy you the alcohol, but you're getting six beers, home by 10 p.m. I remember like 10 years later, my brother at the same age, and he could just do whatever the fuck he wanted at that <laughs> age. I was like, yeah, I've had it. Just, uh, I didn't have a mobile phone back then. All he had to do was text and say, yeah, I'm coming home in three days. Yeah. He's 15. You probably... You probably made it to the, got them to the point of going. Oh, oh we'll, we just give I was up. A trailblazer, yeah. Mm. <laughs> we just give up. It, I, I can the last re- one will do it. He'll do what he wants. I anyway. can remember there was one one occasion that and that is this the house I, party? I wonder. No, oh no, that's another occasion. Um, <laughs> I think I, 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 I think I mean, we slated a full part, yeah. podcast episode for the party. I'm not sure if James was at this other party, but Nathan wanted to go to this. There was a there was a party happening. I think it was in Curl Curl or Dubai. Do you remember that up on Curl Curl Headland? Is that the one where you frog marched me out of there? Yeah. So so Nathan, <laughs> we we didn't want Nathan to go. We no, had, let me. Can I tell? No, this? no, it's my no, story. This no. is this is so, Steve's episode. So we, we didn't we didn't want Nathan to go. And in fact, I said to him, look. You, you can't you can't go. He'd done something the week before. Yeah, so. that's the fucking house party. Yeah, no, not at your place. Yeah, at your place, yeah, no, I'm with ta- the riot police. No, I'm talking about another party. So this, oh, I don't know, I can't remember. This so this one, we'll do a show notes thing afterwards, yeah. and we'll pick him up on what he the mistakes he yeah. made. But just let him let him tell his. Just story. let me go. I'm old. Okay, okay. <laughs> I might not have I might not have much time left. <laughs> Someone have a dinger in case get, he gets off topic. Jim, we'll can you get him? A, can you get Dad a beer? <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Yes. So so Nathan Nathan had done something. 
untoward the week before. So uh, we'd grounded him. Well, I'd grounded him. His mother said, I'll oh, let him go. I said, no, no, he's, if we don't come down on him, he'll, he'll think it's open slather. So we were getting ready for dinner and I think Donna said to me, go and tell Nathan dinner's ready. I go in there, he's not in his room. He's left a note in the letterbox and he says, Mum and Dad, I don't think I don't love you, but I'm just going. I'm just going out for a few days. For a few days. Did you know that there was a letter in the letterbox? I don't no, know. No, they found it on Monday. I, I'm going to tell you this, but this. This is the true version of what happened. I'm going to tell you. So it was the week before where I had that house party that got out of control. It's like so. This is um, end of '97. Um, Early 98, so I'm about like 15 and a half, 16 years old. Um, it was right when like anyone from the Northern Beaches would know like there was a house party every weekend. And usually what this house party entailed was the family going away for the weekend and one of the um, teenage kids, uh, male or female, had the house to themselves. Problem with me was mum and dad didn't go away. They went out for dinner. <laughs> and we so- went out for dinner for your mother's birthday. Yes, yes. True, so now we know exactly when it was. October. Oct- oh, I was going to say August, October. <laughs> um, and so what happened was, like, going back to that, what I said earlier, mum and dad didn't love the fact that I was drinking at that age, but they were kind of happy that I was doing it at their home. And I told them, um, having a few of the boys around, we're just going to play um, FIFA on PlayStation 1, drink drink our, six, drink our six beers. They'll probably be gone, gone by the time we get home. Next minute, there's 150 people at my parents' house. The riot police are out the front. Um, I'm like, I've lost control at this point. I'm like, fuck me. Like, one of my friends got bitten by the German shepherds. Like, the, the police are fucking <laughs> shoveling them down Anzac Avenue at Colorado Plateau. And then I'm, I'm out the back on the dance floor at this point. Like, I've lost control. You had and a dance yeah, floor. Yeah, one of my – yeah, well, not my choice. Like, it was never meant to be a party. And then someone comes running in. And it's like run, – someone comes running in and says, your parents are home. And I'm like, Fuck. I'm like, holy shit. So I'm trying to get all the rest of the people out of the party. And at the time, the power's starting to brown in and out of the house. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Dad's like, Dad's going to kill me right at this instant. I'm like, you fucking go to bed right now. We'll talk about this in the morning. So I'm like, oh, God, this is this is the worst thing I did as a teenager because I regret how I treated Dad after the fact. So I woke up in the morning and I'm doing a pretty hungover piss and I'm like, so I'm staring at the ceiling just going, fuck, I'm in all sorts of trouble. How am I going to deal with this? And someone, someone, remember when you were in high school, you used to wet the toilet paper and throw, <laughs> stick it up on the roof? The whole bath, the whole bathroom of the family house was covered in toilet paper. So I'm like, I'm trying to pick this shit off. And then so what happened was like I was in so much trouble. And then, but on Monday I went to school, Chroma High. I was the king. I was Van Wilder. I was high-fiving all through the quadrangle. I'm like, what a legend. Best party ever. Get home Monday, Arvo. Dad's invoiced me for the damage bill. I remember, remember, I can't remember the dollar amount, but it was about four or five grand because the pool fil- someone broke the pool filter. That's why the power was browning in and out. Someone had smashed bottles all through the pool. Um, someone had lost my brother's pet mouse, mice. All the, all the mouse food was everywhere. The liquor cabinet was gone. Someone had spewed up in my bed. Someone had used my brother's Lego ship as a, a bucket and spewed in. I think someone may have had sex in one of my sister's beds. I, I can't confirm or nah, deny couldn't that. couldn't have been anyone in our group. And then so so I had to I had to um I had to pay and I'm work, I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's at six, for six dollars twenty an hour and I'm like I'm gonna fucking work for thirty years to pay this off and then I was grounded for I think I was grounded until eternity basically and and I treated Dad so bad like we just I just ignored him and then that's fast forward the next week is like there was another house party in Curl Curl. I'm like, I've got to capitalise on like I'm the most popular guy on the Northern Beaches right now. So I'm like, Fucking so hell. so I, I, I packed me weekend bag. I was like, I had no idea what I was going to do. I waited I waited till uh, I thought I ate dinner and then snuck off after. So I scaled the, um, we're a one-storey house. So I scaled, scaled out the window, like about 10, 12-foot drop, scaled out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm off here. And I'm like, fuck, I've still got the fucking note in my pocket. So, so it's like eight o'clock Friday night. So I put it in the post in the letterbox. Now I'm full. Well, you know, the mail doesn't come on the weekend, so they're not even going to see that till Monday. So I arrive at this party like King Brownie the King's here. What a fucking champion! 
there for about an hour. Deja vu, one of my friends comes running around the corner at this party. Brownie, your dad's here. He's like fucking T-1000, like storming <laughs> through this party, grabs, grabs me by the collar, drags me home. And um, then fast forward to the Monday at school, everyone's pointing at me like I'm the loser who got <laughs> pulled out of this party. And and I, like I did a lot of bad stuff as a kid. Dad definitely sugarcoated it. But the way I treated dad in particular after that was kind of definitely one of my um, teenage regrets for sure. I I reckon I would have killed you. Oh, fuck. Like- if mum wasn't there, I would be dead. <laughs> How did you not kill him? Does that like, sound like that's twenty two years ago? Can we laugh about that now? I don't, he doesn't well, look I, like he's laughing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you never. Did you you ever still pay? owe me twenty seven hundred dollars for all that the payment mouse terms food. On that. <laughs> yeah, well, mo- most of that, most of that was right. Most of that was true-ish. Yeah, but <laughs> but what he what he probably doesn't remember was when when we sent him off to bed at, at our place after the house party. His poor mother is on her hands and knees scrubbing all the spew and the wine and the beer off our timber floors, crying, crying. She didn't need any water on the sponge. It was just all tears on the floor. Sorry, Mum. As she was and, – and she looked up, up at me at one stage as I'm picking up bits of glass and she said, what have we done? And I said, oh, that's Nathan, you know. He's just, that's, he's just way of expressing himself. <laughs> So that was, that was a pretty tough time, yeah. But that was the worst. That was like I did some bad stuff for sure, but like I, like because I, I wanted to tell that story mainly because like that was, I think that's the worst I've ever treated you and like been the most disrespectful um, to my family. And it's kind of like it's weirdly intertwined to this kind of previous two years in the last two years because I kind of now now that I've come out the other side of that. I've kind of. I feel like I've disrespected mum and dad, family, and my friends for that matter, like in, yeah. a, in a very different way, but um, by not kind of being truthful or honest. Like back then I was naughty and bad. I mean, I'm a little bit naughty still, like don't get me wrong, but I think... You just have to deal with the consequences now. That yeah, I'm an adult. It's not it's not mum and dad's problem. So, so yeah, that was why I kind of wanted to tell that story because I feel bad about what I did and I, I do feel bad about the last two years, but... Yeah, here we are. So I've, I've always heard about the infamous party, the, how you call yourself Corey Worthington before Corey oh, Worthington yeah, was that, Corey Worthington. Well, that's it for the Australians. I was Corey Worthington first. And for you Americans, think of that movie Project X. I was Project X. It was ten, about him, wasn't it? Ten years before that. Like no mobile phones. Yeah. No Facebook. No, no Facebook. way to get Bit that. Bit of MSN Messenger, I think. Somehow the word got around. And I can tell you, you know what, I shouldn't tell you what I did at every house party for the next two years. So moving on, Goliath, over to you. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I suppose that's a good look inside what you had to deal with as a parent and the fact that you were that understanding and it must have been hard, like getting Donna through it and trying to talk up Nathan and say it's going to be all right. And he was, the as the eldest, he was setting an example for his you were ruining it for everyone. Younger siblings, like he had two girls immediately behind him, um, Kel and Jess, and they must have wondered. I, I don't think I ever sat down with them at that time and said, "Don't worry about your brother; he's a fool" or anything like that. Um, but I think they must have been thinking that at the time. A- Andrew is nine years younger than Nathan, so he probably he would have only been seven or eight at the time, so he wouldn't have had much of a concept of how, how things were at home. but He got a brand new Lego pirate ship out of it as well. He's, oh, and you forgot about someone pouring the milk into his fish tank. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Sorry, Pam Pam. That's my brother, Pam Pam. Yeah, but the good, the good thing is that all, the, all our kids are close now and um, I think one of the best things about Nathan coming back home from the States um, was that he's – I think he's reconnected with – with his siblings and his yeah. nieces and nephews as well. Mm. And that's – I think you'd agree that that's been a pretty good help. Yeah. 100%. Well, that was – my next sort of question was that I know Nathan mentioned in one of the past episodes that you were like one of the ones that gave him the pep talk to sort of get out of the the plumbing industry. For, <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, don't I, know I he heard he's in the plumbing industry. I, I heard, well, that, that's a very good thing you say there, Goldie, because when he told us he was going to work at TradeLink – 
as far as I could tell, the only reason that he was going to work there was because he could get a bus there. Because we had a bus that ran from Collaroy Plateau down through Brookvale. Because at that time, uh, and and oh. and I've not heard this spoken about before. My my dad had passed away in 1994, and at that time Nathan was 12. And Dad had a car, and we were going to sell the car, and Donna said, why don't we keep it for Nathan? And I said, well, that's, that's five years away. That's a long time to keep it. it was a, and it was an old car then. It was a little Toyota Corolla. And, and we thought, well, we'll, we, we'll hang on to it. We'll use it as a second car ourselves. Yeah. We only had one car at the time. And then my brother had moved back from overseas, so we let him have – he had the car because yeah. he had a third share in the car. So he drove it for a few years until – and then he moved back overseas and then the car became available again for, for Nathan. So Nathan was learning to drive, got his licence. We said – he said, oh, I suppose I'm going to have to have a, get a car. And I said, why don't you have grandfather's car? And Nathan and, and my dad were quite close. And he thought, that would be great. So Nathan got – I think this is right. You probably want to correct me, but I think Nathan got his license on the Monday, yep. and on the Saturday he wrote the car off. Correct. <laughs> I launched it into that veggie patch in that guy's front yard, and and who jab with you? Uh, Brent pulled the handbrake. Yeah. Who's Brent? Oh, Someone he's one of my school friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that calling w- out. It yeah. was his fault then. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I was saying you sugarcoated some of the shit I did because that was pretty bad too. Yeah. And at least, I was going to say, at least I learned from that, but seven years later, I launched another car into the retirement village in Colorado Plateau as well. So. Yeah. yeah. I'm, guessing, so, I'm guessing Steve's probably blocked a lot of these things out. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a way of dealing with things. Yeah. 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 yeah blocking it out for sure. Well, I think that's, that's I mean, it, it's kind of, that is a tie in with mental health, right? It's like you you deal with deal with that type of stuff by not dealing with it. Exactly. It out. And, and, and I know there's been some talk about, about, um, or recent talk about ADHD and stuff like that. We had some friends who who had kids a similar age to Nathan, who were your classic ADD ADHD yeah. kids. They were they were just always getting themselves into trouble, always just doing stupid stuff and 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 causing their parents no end of worry. Nathan was not really like that. He mm. he did he did some stupid stuff. He always he always wanted to be. The funniest guy in the room, the loudest guy in the room. As he started drinking, the drunkest guy in the room, and and then, so that's at fourteen or fifteen. Then when we were then when his his depression surfaced, I was sitting down with him in Hawaii in two thousand eighteen, having the same talk with him that I had with him when he was fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I just felt like he's. His life had gone nowhere in that time, and he was still hadn't learnt how the world goes round, and it was it was very frustrating. But at that time, we didn't realise how deep issues were. I just thought he was trying to get himself out of a situation he didn't want to be in, yeah. and this was his way of doing it. And and I must say that was a pretty shitty trip for us. And I know it wasn't much fun for Nathan either. But and so by this stage, this was like. This was well into his nitro career. Oh, this was only two years ago, yeah. Yeah. So he kind of, for someone who you would look at and go, he has done a lot with his life, and you're having this conversation with him and it's like, it's like he hasn't, hasn't had a life yeah. whatsoever. He yeah. hasn't learnt. Well, I think it's more like you, at that point, you were saying like, it's time to fucking grow up. You can't, you can't do now at the age of 36 what you were doing 22 years ago, but at the time... He he didn't. I mean, I to be honest with you, I didn't really know what I like. I was very much unaware. Of, I didn't know at the time. No one knew at the time what what I was doing. I knew what I was going through, but I didn't really know mm. what I what I was dealing with. And that kind of that Hawaii trip was kind of like the. I guess it like it 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 wasn't the reason everything happened, but it was kind of like the flashpoint of everything. I think, and um, I think there was probably a time there where I in Hawaii where I kind of felt very much kind of, I mean, and this is nothing that mum, dad and I haven't talked about already. It's like I did kind of feel alone and like just a little bit attacked. But again, that's kind of like I think what I what I talked about last week is you have this huge element of paranoia and um, poor me and like everyone's out to get, get you 
so it's like this, like you're in this completely augmented reality of what's going on with mum and dad and, and my ex and a few other people. They were just trying to fucking help, but they didn't know how. Mm. And, mm. I, and I wasn't going to let them in mm. either. Yeah. And also for – we're also concerned because, you know, Nathan has quite an addictive personality <laughs> and we were, we, we were always concerned about the, the people he was working with at Nitro – we know those, particularly the the athletes. No, no, that's not right. That's not fair. No, the athletes are risk takers, and they're guys that, that push their life to the edge. They they they're doing stuff. Oh, yeah, I see what you're they're, they're doing stuff at shows that normal people don't do. Mm. Let's face it. Any anyone who's seen a Nitro Circus show, you've had a few beers in the uh, box of it. Sydney, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I've been to I've been to a couple of the shows. I've been to a Krusty Demon show, and 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 oh, I and I don't say that word. And I thought I I was all I always had some concerns about Nathan hanging around with those guys because I figured whether it's right or wrong that guys that guys that do that stuff every week must be hard guys to be around, and they must push the limits on everything. But maybe they're just. Good family guys, Monday well, to Friday. Always, as a parent, you're always going to have that way yeah, about yeah. the people that he's hanging out with. Plus, he's plus he's hanging around. Plus, he's in America. Yeah, and and we're in on the northern beaches. Mm. When 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 it became apparent to us that he was having some struggles, we desperately tried to get him home straight away. Yeah, um, Donna in particular just wanted to cuddle him and get him get him under her arm and just keep him close. And and that's why we were so relieved when we found out he was coming home, mm. because it was very hard for us to do anything, and very hard for Nathan as well, because he's over there by himself. One of the reasons we were happy when he was with his ex partner, we were so happy because we felt that was someone who we could confide in, someone who could look out for him, yeah. up until then he was on his own all the time, mm. and we would we would converse regularly, not as regularly as we probably should have over the phone, but that was about it. We yeah. we we were just parents who were 10,000 kilometres away who were just – any information we were getting was what Nathan was providing us over the phone. Yeah. yeah. And did that. you – It was like it was that web of lies. That's yeah. what I talked about last episode. It was like I think at the end of it, it did get too much for me. Like just I couldn't keep up this whole charade of like I could I could – avoid my friends back here by like just not just organizing call never be but it got it definitely got too much like lying to mum and dad about how yeah. good I was going for sure and so that was sort of what was happening over the the past two years yep. yeah um how hard has it been as a parent to to see your son in that situation oh pretty tough yeah but and and there'd be plenty of parents like us that have been through that and mm. probably been through way more, way worse than we've been through. But, you know, because it's your own child, you guys – some of you guys have kids, um, some of you don't. You guys you, you guys that have kids will know they're your whole world and, and the thought of something happening to them or something going amiss with their life is just devastating and, and – you know, when when we realised in two thousand eighteen that Nathan was was really struggling, mm. we didn't know what to do. We like we hadn't we we're not educated on on dealing with people with depression. At the time, we didn't even know. I knew he was depressed mm. because we sat down and cried together for th- like three hours. But you can be depressed and not have depression, and and at the time. We just didn't know what to do, and we we cried every night for that mm. two weeks we were away. And when we got back, then we had to tell Nathan said, "Oh, if you want to tell the the girls and and Andrew to do that, it's up to you." And we just had to tell them, and it was just more tears. The girls were very upset. It was just tough, and yeah. and and again. W- we just left Nathan there and came home. Our holiday was over. We left. See you later. Dropped us to the airport and away we went. Mm. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then he was getting some counselling. He wasn't. He was telling us he was turning up and he wasn't. And 
we weren't really comfortable with what was going on, but there's nothing we can do. Donna said to me, just go over there, because I'd retired by this stage, yeah. just go over there and stay with them. And I said to Nathan, Look, why don't I just come over and just spend some time with you? No, Dad, I'll, I'll sort it out. I'm okay. Um, but it wasn't until we got him home and, you know, he, he stayed with us for a while when he came back home. Yeah, well, I came home, like, so that was like August, I think that was early September 2018 when you guys left. And so I came back for Christmas that year and so going Christmas, New Year's and I kind of knew, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, I, I I knew I was not doing the right thing by getting on that plane back to America. Um, I delayed it by a week and but I, I kind of had to go back and face some stuff and I had to go pack up my apartment Um but I literally, I, I was like sleeping on um, Dove, who's one of my best friends. I was on his couch for the first week when I got back. Um, then that's when I kind of moved into the motel and then I was on the road with the tour. So I did have like, I guess I had like a very busy work schedule to kind of get me through that time. And and I did, I did get back to see you guys in February because we had a show in Sydney. I saw mm-hmm. you guys for one, I think one morning we caught up and um, um, – um, my one of my sisters and my other sister's husband and my nephew came to the show. Um, and that was like that was early February, and I was like, I don't know when I'm going to even see these guys again. And but I knew I did have a f- couple more months of touring, and then it was going to get to like July, and the uh, touring year for Nitro Circus was going to be done. And then that's why I was like, for some crazy reason, I thought I was going to be more than capable of finding a place to live, and you know that was kind of a big part of like a big part of what I was doing is like I did I felt like I wanted to try and start my life on my own there that was July last year and then that's when it all became too much I I, I told the story it's like um I, I had a call with you guys and it was kind of the last time I lied to you about how well I was doing and four days later I called you guys in tears saying I, I, I want to come home and then you guys had I was on a flight three days later and that was that brings us to kind of like August, August last year. Yeah. And we, we heard about how that journey sort of since you got home and yep. how you thought it was done and dusted, but it continued for a little bit longer. Um, I know Steve Nathan, um, Nathan opened up to you guys before we started this whole podcast thing. Yeah. Um, but like I suppose that was a really good milestone as a parent for, for him to – sort of let let it all out and, and do it. But how does it feel now that he's put it out into the world? Well, to I mean, Nate, one thing that apart from when he's trying to keep keep um secrets from us, Nathan's very honest yeah. most of the time, very upfront. And he said he did say to us, Look, I'm I'm thinking of doing this, but if you guys are no good with it, um I, I won't do it. And um you know, we thought it would be a, a good thing. We we weren't opposed to it in any way. Mm. And I'm happy for Nathan to do whatever he needs to do to make himself feel better. And that's that's what one of the reasons we, we were very I was quite distressed listening to the last week's podcast when he talked about um you know having sorts of thoughts of suicide because I, I I know a few, a few of my work colleagues and friends have committed suicide. Yeah. And um, one of the things about the, being, being a fiery, and I, I was a fiery for 35 years, was in the early days, mental health wasn't something that was discussed at all. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about the early 80s. Um, there was no... There was no uh, counselling or any assistance offered at all for people who were struggling with work, and you know these we were people who would see some pretty horrific things at yeah, work. Definitely. There was no way. There was no, nothing talked about how you should cope with that. You were just left to your own devices, and those things over a period of time it came back to haunt a few of my work colleagues, and they, the only way out for them was to take their own life, and mm. and. I could never understand it. I could never understand anyone getting to that point where they thought my 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 only way out is to to 
take my own life. Mm-hmm. And and then when I heard Nathan talk about that last week, it just made me think about those guys that I know and the fact that Nathan could get to that stage mm-hmm. and feel that this is it. This is I won't be missed. I'm I'm only causing everyone grief. It'd be better off if better if I'm not around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Donna and I were, had had um, a couple of sleepless nights about about that, and, and um, Donna in particular was was quite upset about it. And I'm just pleased that that Nathan has come through that. And um, you know, if I could just say to ev- anyone that listens to this that that you just need to talk to people. You need to find someone you can confide in, someone you can unload your problems on, um, because. I know for all, all all those people that I know that have taken their own life, all had, and some of them we didn't know until afterwards. All had underlying mental health issues. Mm. Some of them had were on medication. Some of them weren't and should have been, and some of them kept it very quiet from everyone. Like there was one of my colleagues and a good friend of mine killed himself about five years ago, and. It was such a shock to everyone that knew him because you could line up a hundred people, and you could say, "Who is that in that hundred people? Who is the bloke least likely to hurt himself?" And you would say, "This guy." Mm. And he kept it from every. The, apparently, the only person who knew he was struggling was his wife, and um, and we went to his funeral. He was only a guy in his. I think he was probably in his mid forties. Um, at his funeral. All his siblings spoke, his brothers and I think his one of his daughters, he had teenage daughters, yeah. and they all just said, Dad, why couldn't you just come and talk to us about it? Mm. It was, it was, it was a, a really sad time for everybody and some of his work colleagues took it really personally, took it really badly. They really struggled with the fact that he didn't come to them and just talk about how, how, how badly he yeah. was doing. So... When Nathan, when then you hear your own son talking like that, it just makes you think, where have we where have we gone wrong? Mm. One of the issues were he couldn't hop in his car and drive over to our place and sit down and chat to us like he does three times a week now. He's over there four times this week. He's over there in the states on his own, with no one to talk to. The only people he knows are the people he works with. His relationship has broken down at that stage. It was it was tough. If if we'd have known how badly he was doing, we'd have been over there in a heartbeat. Mm. But he kept this facade up. I'm doing okay, Dad. I'm having counselling. I'm seeing this guy. He's put me on this medication. I'm I'm okay. I'm about to go on a tour. I'm pretty excited about that. Big things happening at work. It was just bullshit. Just yeah. it's always the way though. Like it, I think anyone I ever have known to commit suicide. The, the thing you say after it was like, I never thought that they would have felt like that. Yeah. And I don't know of anyone who has committed suicide where after the fact you've gone, well, he was depressed all the time, like he was in this situation. Mm. It's never that person. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just stoked that, it's, that he's kind of through this other side now. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think like for me um, it was definitely tough like sending that, the link to that episode and I know dad like he's the king of the thumbs up or the beer emoji and he added a third emoji to his repertoire the crying face and I I knew at that point I was like damn this is this is hit hard and I spoke to my younger young younger sister Jess who's kind of always been um I guess you know like I'm four siblings so you usually kind of pair off so it's kind of me and Jess and Kel and Andrew so oldest and third oldest second and second oldest and youngest so i've kind of we've always kind of been a little little bit closer it's kind of changed a little bit now now they both have kids the sisters and then me and my brother are close now because we're very similar but i've always gone to jess for um kind of guidance on a lot of life things because i know there's a lot of people in my life that will kind of tell me what i want to hear but she would always tell me what i need what I yeah. needed to hear, like there was no, there's no, never been any bullshit with Jess. You, anyone who knows Jess Brown knows, like she's just, there's no bullshit with mm. her. She'll call, call you out on on shitty behavior or whatever it might be. And she, and her comment was was like listening to that was like literally um, hearing your worst fears voice, like 
she and she said she's so glad that she doesn't have to pretend that she, that she never thought those things and she's so glad that I don't have to pretend now as well that mm. um, I never had those feelings either. I think how I how I reckon I can kind of sum it up is is like mental health from a very personal point of view is your your mental health good or bad is it's under lock and key. You're the only person who has the lock and key to that what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. No one can get in there unless you let them in there. And then so since what I've done, like, yeah, I've done it in a public forum, but you don't have to do it in a public forum. Now that I've kind of got all this out there, I've not only ever kind of unlocked it and let people in, everyone I know close to me, my family, has a copy of that key now. So they can get in. And, and, it's, and it's felt really good this week having like people just say, how you doing, Brownie? And I say, yeah, sweet. How you really doing, Brownie? People are com- comfortable asking yeah, those tough questions now. And I think that is kind of like, that's probably the most empowering part of what happened after episode five. And, you know, I've been around hanging out with you four days this week just just because, like just shooting the shit, like just no dramas. And, and, and I love the fact now we kind of, Dad and I have always been big handshake guys. Like we might, we'll do a hug on Christmas or a birthday, and now it's like we don't sh- shake hands. We hug and say I love you every time. We've never, we've never had that. And the, like the family dynamic is, I think it's just been That's such. So cool. such a I was going to ask you about that because I know that you were saying that you said the other week that you've started a WhatsApp group now. Yeah, Dad's on WhatsApp, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't quite know how it works, but <laughs> no. I, I turn my phone on and there's all these messages. That's pretty much too it. many. Too many, too many. Usually, but yeah. it's good. Like, I mean, I have uh, a bunch of family chats going, and while there's so much chatter, and sometimes you're, you're overwhelmed by the amount of text messages, whether it be from Ash's family or my family, um, but at the same time, like I, I sit there and I go through them and I read every message, and it's just so it's so good to have that connection, and I'm so glad that you guys have that connection now, and even just hanging out. Yeah, shooting the shit. Like, yeah. we don't even need to talk about but, well, we, anything. We really. couldn't. We couldn't do any of that when Nathan's living in LA. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, to be fair, you also couldn't do that. Do too much of that in like the last eight months since I've been back until I've kind of been ready. You know, there was like back at the start when I first because when I came back, I was living with mum and dad for about six weeks before I moved back into my apartment. It's a long six weeks. It was fucking, you're telling me, (laughs) (laughs) with me and my brother there. And then, but like after that, like I wasn't probably like maybe once a week I'd be around there. And like I live 10 minutes up the road, but I work two minutes around around the corner from where mum and dad live. But there was times like in that August, September when it was kind of the other um, tough part, like, I couldn't fake it so much, like in person. I, I've mm. said that before. Like, it was easy to fake it over the phone. So I would avoid going around there. And now it's like, what, what, what did we talk about yesterday when I came around? We just shot the shit about nothing. I think, oh, we did the quiz. It was like just, yeah. Mum's hopeless at the quizzes, by the way. Mm. Sorry, What's mum. the quiz? This um, the Daily Sun Herald quiz. Oh, right. Fifteen so, questions. How yeah. old are you again? <laughs> no, no, this is bullshit. These are like hard, hard, <laughs> medium, and easy. The weatherman's bloody brilliant. <laughs> Have you got us that weather update, Munro, by the way? It's fine outside, but just like mental depression, it's running tears in here. Oh, did you guys hear that? It's fine outside. Just yeah. like. I'll, try, I'll translate it. I'll put okay. it in the show yeah, notes. There you go. You um, should have saved that for so your episode, I think, though. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think like the biggest lesson out of what I've learned like the last kind of four weeks since since we've been doing this is like just talk just talk it's just it's honestly it's changed my world like apart from my anxiety attack on to earlier today at bunnings like i just feel like i'm in the best spot i've been in a couple of years and that's that's like a um a a big thank you to all all kind of my family and friends but it's just it just feels really good like i can just i i look forward to the next day where there was definitely times where i was like fuck i i this day's going to suck. And then I know the next day is going to suck. Next day after that's going to be worse. Now it's like, it's just cool. And, and the experience it's, it's, it's brought to our family and like we, we've never been closer. So I think that's, I think that's kind of like what I would say is just talk. You don't have to do it on a fucking public forum like this, but 
talk to your sibling, talk to your parents, talk to your friends. Mm. That's it is cliche to say that. Mm-hmm. And I know that there'd be people in the situation that would hear us saying, just talk about it. And they'd be like, but I can't. Yep. But give someone a copy give, of that key. Yeah. You just have to give someone a copy of that key, as yep. you said, uh, anyone. And if even if it's just one person who can help you uh, deal it, with what you're going through, it's only one person. That's all that's it takes. All, it's all it takes. Yeah. You'll like you'll feel infinitely better just one person. And the good thing about about you guys doing this, and and hats off to you for being brave enough to, particularly you, Nathan, being brave enough to put this out in a public forum, is that people listen to this. People who know you, people who don't know you. And if just one of those people talks to somebody and doesn't take their own life, this has achieved something. This has been fantastic. Um, Particularly with males, we're not good about talking about this stuff. And um, I I again go back to when I was a young fiery. We used to consider... Long, long time ago. It was a long time ago. (laughs) We used to consider guys that... Guys that had some sort of um, mental health issues as weak and we, you know, it was just just deal with it, mate. You know, we'd go to car accidents. I remember going to a car accident on the Burnt Bridge Creek Bypass. Not long after it was built, uh, a car accident, a whole family was killed in this by a drunk driver and and our job was to to hang around there, help, help the rescue guys get these dead people out of these cars. And um, it was a horrendous night, and a couple of the guys that that, I, that were there on that night didn't cope with it, and ended up being medically retired mm. because of that. And they was they were frowned upon and treated with disdain by other fireys because we were just expected to cope with it yeah. and deal with it. Expected and to be tough guys. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys. This is what you guys do. Just deal with it. And I remember one of my one of my uh, Don, one of Donna's cousins' husband was a homicide detective, mm. and and he did a couple of the really big cases. You young guys mightn't remember them. There was the Granny Killers. Oh yeah, that just stole their undies or something after and, he killed them, right? Yeah, and there was another another guy who who killed killed a whole bunch of uh, I think five teenage girls who were having a sleepover at someone's house in St Ives. This guy who was who thought he was having a relationship, in his mind was having a relationship with one of the girls, came in there and killed all these girls with a shotgun. Oh, fuck me. This, so so my, uh, my, my uh, Donna's cousin's husband, the guy, you know, one of the first on scene at these horrific things, and I, we were chatting about it 20 years later. I said, how did you deal with that? And he said, well, the police way of dealing with it was to go to the pub and get really, really pissed. That's that's what they did. You look at the number of cops now that are having serious mental health issues mm. because there was nothing ever done for them back now. Back right now, they can't do enough for you. When I, you know, in my later years in the job, if you went to a a, a serious incident or particularly an incident where there was a fatality, they would have a they would have counsellors on the phone to you when you got back to the station. Is everyone there okay? Do you want to come around and talk to you? They'd have a critical incident debrief team who could who were there if you picked up the phone. They would pay for you to go and have counselling. That never happened 30 years ago. Mm. And and I think people are living with those scars now. And I can't remember why I started telling that story. But, but <laughs> <laughs> Long story long. long, long story I think long. I think – I think, uh, Oh, what I was saying yeah, was you got what, it. What I was saying, he's old guys. He's back, guys. It's come, come back to me. Yeah. What, what I was saying now, Dementia. that that you guys now are prepared to talk about it. Back, back when I was your age, it mm. wasn't talked about. It was, yeah. it was just something you dealt with in the quiet. And and some of those, when I talked before about people I know, particularly work colleagues, like we we had a run there in in a twelve month period where four of my work colleagues committed suicide. These were all guys who had issues, not 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 all dealing with what they saw at, at accidents and fires and things, personal issues as mm. well, but the work stuff was never dealt with because there was no way of dealing with it. We were just ex- expected to, I don't know what, what you do, compart- compartmentalise that stuff. And, 
And and I never thought really too much about it until people I knew started going off, people who I was close to started going off work with these issues, mm. who were stand-up guys that, that wouldn't be putting this on and weren't trying to rot the system. I knew they were struggling. And and it was that was probably... 15 years ago yeah. so it hasn't been and it hasn't been something that's been in the forefront of people's minds probably from you know 20 years ago maybe mm. yeah, yeah and it's still to be fair it still isn't talked about enough and i think that's kind of one of the big motivations for why we are doing this to say like i can't expect anyone to open up to me or air their their dirty laundry and sit back and not do that myself mm. and mm. Again, like like I said, like you don't have to do it on a podcast like this. Like it's been great for me, but it's still like you're very raw and vulnerable and and kind of naked. Like you don't have to do it this way, but and there's still people who don't don't want to talk. About it. And I'm sure there's people we know that are refusing to listen to it and they yeah. that they don't they're not ready to deal with it. But I mean, I wasn't ready to deal with it for the longest time, and then all of a sudden I'm here and like I'm living proof that talking about it is the best thing i've best thing i've done yeah i think the message that we're trying to get at here is to to not just bury it yeah don't go into anything with the attitude of i'll deal with it later Mm. deal with it now and just talk to someone about it Mm. steve it's been so good to have you on the show thanks goldie get your perspective yeah thanks for having me on um, well I done, think Dad. I think we're almost Thanks, about ready to send Nathan back to the US. I think he's good now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll drive him to the airport. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. there's a 60-day flying ban. <laughs> 600 day. Um, but no, I'm just joking. Um, obviously, it's great to have you back, and obviously to have the real Nathan back. Yeah. Um, this has been a really good episode. Um, I think it's been my favourite one so far. Um, not only because it's my favourite too. Yeah, it's not. Just, oh, yeah, it's not just us. See where I get it from, guys. <laughs> it's not just us talking about this shit, but it is someone else who uh, was dealing with it alongside Nathan. And uh, for it to be a parent, like it, it, now that I'm a parent, like I know exactly mm. how how emotional you get over just the littlest thing. And I and I'm a grandparent now, so you're even you're double. He's older, yeah. yeah. And and he's older, is he? Yeah, he's heaps older. And I and I I feel as if I'm a parent all over over again because I'm we're very close to our grandchildren, and and luckily for us, we 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 love that. Um, yeah. But most as, of the time, and I can I can see uh, I can see what a great um, mother that Donna was to our kids because she's exactly the same with with her grandkids. Yeah. Um, She's so close to them, and and they rely on her so much, um, as our daughters do, um, and and I was probably not not a great dad because I was a, you know working shift work for thirty five years. I was around not around a lot. Yeah. Donna had dad. Donna had dad. to Donna had to deal with Don't a lot of me a lot of Nathan years. stuff. <laughs> uh, just let me let me say that. Yeah, she she. You know, I was a prick as a teenager. I know Dad's been very polite. Yeah, I was a prick. Donna would ring me at work and say, "I'm down at the police station." What you, oh, when I got caught on the roof at DY Hotel. What are you doing? What are you doing at the police station? The stories are endless. Yeah, I've hell. got Nathan here. <laughs> what about what was that bitch of a shout fuck? out to Donna? What was that yeah, bitch of a love you, Donna? That fucking legal studies teacher. Like you stormed down there at parent. Parent, hey, Irish. You stormed down there, parent teacher night. So I was like studying legal studies because dad dad was going to be a lawyer and had some like um, some some personal stuff come up. He was studying law late and kind of he didn't quite finish. So I was like, I I really love I love law and I love like arguing and like I was like I so I topped this legal studies class in in the academic and then she failed me because. I was um, argumentative and um, confrontational in all in all the classes, and you storm storm down and said, "He's fucking studying law. Of course, he's going to argue." <laughs> and then and then so we got pulled me out of legal studies. I can't remember her name. You remember this, Dad? Yeah. And then so that that same bitch found out that. Um, Hang on. Just be careful. Remember the law stuff from last week that you. Oh, I haven't said a name. Oh, okay, good. I haven't said. An, I, I, I can't remember a name. So she she found out that Jess, the youngest young sister, was I was her older brother, and she started bullying her at school because that was she was Nathan Brown's brother, and you, and mum and dad took her out of school because of my reputation. 
Oh. I, I, Donna called me at work one night and said, oh, I've just come back from the parent-teacher interview. She said, I had to go and see the principal. And I, I said, why Why did you have to go and see the principal? Oh, because Nathan told his teacher to get fucked. <laughs> and the principal the principal said to Donna, I'd like to tell her that, but, but, but I can't. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Well, I do know her name, but I'm not going to say it on there. Don't say her name. If the um, glove don't fit, you must have quit. Well, you two are exactly the same because yeah. you both told a story after I tried to wrap the show. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has been great talking to both of you. Um, hey, thank you, Goldie, as well. No, 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 it's, it's my like, pleasure. It's so easy to talk to. Like, Thanks, mate. You make us comfortable and our like little support crew as well. It's yeah, like, yeah. So our natural. So natural. And it's it just, is. It feels good. It is. Um, remember, you can follow us on Instagram. Skip this podcast. What's, you got Instagram yet, Dad? Uh, what's that? <laughs> That's you can send us an email. Does you know that, what that is? That comes through the interweb, doesn't it? It does come in yeah. the interweb. Um, but again, if you can rate us and review us on iTunes, that gives us a, a fighting chance at getting towards the Joe Rogan numbers one day. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been all my thanks, pleasure. Thanks, Goldie. Um, thanks, guys. Thanks, Goldie. Thanks, Dave. We'll, we'll be back in another thanks, week, Dad. Dave. Legendary. Bye. Bye. Say bye. bye. Say bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. Bye.